Good morning. You are listening to KPOO San Francisco 89.5 and on the World Wide Web at KPOO.com. This is Prison Focus Radio. Slavery is back. In fact, it was never abolished. The 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution abolished slavery, except in prison. At the current rate of incarceration, by the year 2010, the majority of all African-American men between 18 and 40 will be in prison. The state as their captor. It's going to take people who are willing to fight, not people who want to negotiate with the enemy.
All right, beautiful people, I want to thank you for joining me here this morning. I am Nube, your host of Prison Focus Radio here on KPOO, San Francisco 89.5. We are going to be spending the hour with Joka Hashima Jinsai. I know for all of those of you that have been listening to this program for a while now, um, have um, are familiar with Joka Hashima Jinsai. As a matter of fact, um, a few weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago, I read the complete indictment of the state and its prison industrial slave complex. That is now in book form and available on Amazon.com, the same name, Indictment of the State and its Prison Industrial Slave Complex. Well, I thought it might be a nice idea, and I ran it by Hashima, to see if he would be willing to uh, give us some commentary um, on sections of the book. So, of course, we started with the preamble, and he agreed that he would uh, like to do that. So this is somewhat of a master class um, that I hope you all will enjoy. We will be doing this over the next several weeks, however long it takes us to uh, go through this uh, very powerful, informative, um, and stunning book about uh, the state, California, and the, well, the state, the state, and not just California, and the prison industrial slave complex. So stick with me for the rest of the hour. We might also be hearing some other voices. As you know, um, there are some very exciting things that are taking place um, in this crazy social uh, sociopolitical climate, as nuts as things are, there are still these amazing pockets of people and so much of it coming from um, our modern day enslaved folks on the inside. So um, again, stick with us and uh, here we go. All right, I am going to read the first part of the preamble uh, of the indictment of the state and its prison industrial slave complex and where we got this conversation started. Preamble. Oh, and before I say that, also I do want to say this is written by Joka Hashima Jinsai and the concept is by Abdul Ulubala Shakur. Preamble. The U.S. Racketeering Influence and Corrupt Organizations Act, which is the RICO Act, Title 18, Part 1, Chapter 96, was initially enacted by Congress chiefly to combat the influence of organized criminal enterprises on the political, judicial, and financial mechanisms of power in the U.S. The primary instrument used by those vested with the responsibility to prosecute such cases on behalf of the people is the indictment. However, what do we do when the institutions responsible for upholding and in some instances making the law are the chief architects of its habitual violation. All right, it's that's a two-sided coin. Okay. When I say when I say it's a two-sided coin, is you have one side that is primarily targeted toward market-based predatory crime, and it's what U.S. Uh, 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 judicial machinery defines as market-based predatory crime. It's different between two predatory crimes: robbery, extortion, um, um, kidnapping. Predatory uh, crimes. Those are called predatory yeah. crimes. Okay. Exactly. Predatory crimes. Market-based crimes would be prostitution, uh, drug trafficking, um, uh, black markets, where you where you move like black market micro- microchips, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, what occurred with the introduction of La Casa Nostra? It 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 was an influx of money 
uh, you had a criminal organization actually monopolize particular black markets in certain geographic areas and to ensure the continuation of their black market and there would be no interference from law enforcement, they began to move some of that money into politics, into judicial appointments. Think about judges, congressmen, police chiefs, police captains, Mm -hmm. um, beat cops, you name it. Um, Because we live in a capitalist society, because the nature and structure of society, the manner in which people's minds are orientated and developed is that property is more valuable than people. So money is the be-all, end-all. It, it, it is it is it's beyond a status symbol. It's money is um, everything in the capitalist society. So it's not difficult to corrupt uh, political, judicial, or, or uh, social institutions if you have enough money to do so. Now, flip side of that coin is once you have a process by which this call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. Those that you vested with the responsibility to enforce the law, your 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 judicial machinery itself, or your 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 political structure itself, once it finds a way that it can utilize the law in order to extend its own economic, social, political privilege. The nature and structure of capitalism almost demands that it does so. The United States of America was founded on perhaps the largest black market in the history of human civilization, mm. slavery. Mm-hmm. And land theft. Human bondage. And- the exploitation of human bondage. Yes. And land theft. Yeah. Of course. I mean, right. And Genocide that, of the... Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that is... Uh, that is the uh, imperialistic nature mm-hmm. of oh, right. That's okay. uh, economic expansion. It's when you take somebody else's land and, and, and utilize it for your own economic social purposes. Now, they was having the land is one thing, being able to make that land productive is something different. Mm-hmm. And the manner in which they have been effective in making the land they stole productive is through free labor, which is slave labor. Mm-hmm. Okay, now... As, of course, social conditions are such that eventually a adverse social condition will run against its opposite. It's just the nature of dialectics. Um, it's the struggle opposites. Eventually, you're going to reach that point on negation and negation, and that contradiction is going to change. So what happened was you had agrarian capitalists talking with industrial capitalists. Industrial capitalists want to mechanize uh, profit where uh, agrarian capitalists want to maintain uh, a, a model of human bondage where uh, the, the, the labor of a man could be equated with the labor of a mule. So that war, our war was not about freeing slaves. A lot of people believe the Civil War was a war about uh, liberty. It wasn't. Right. It was a war about which mode of social exploitation was going to prevail. It was going to be mechanized capitalism or agrarian capitalism. Mechanized capitalism won. So you had the industrial age bring about steam engines and, and, and mass production of factories. Now, this did not negate the capitalist pension to exploit for money to the bondage. So almost immediately in the very constant 
constitution would mimic that of slavery. They preserved a means by which slavery could continue. Right. That was in the 13th Amendment. They stated whether we need to slavery or you know, voluntary servitude in the United States saved. Well, we do need to make it up a crime. So felony is the gateway to legal slavery. Right. Okay. So what occurred almost immediately after Reconstruction? Convict lease system. That occurred. So they had a mechanism by which they could just pick people up off the street, say you're a vagrant. They came up with new laws. They just made up a law. Custom. Custom in public. Gotta get you in the penitentiary and now I can put you on the auction block and lease you off to U.S. Steel. A lot of people don't know that. U.S. Steel was one of the greatest slavers after slavery. Yeah. Uh, the minds they had in Tennessee were like visions of Dante's Inferno. Where rape and murder and horror conditions beyond anything the brain can actually comprehend with a norm. And children were interred in these prisons. Right. And women were still forced to to give birth and give their labor and give their bodies and the sexual exploitation of women, of the black women. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, uh, of course, again, social conditions do not change. The, 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 the spiral in evolution of social conditions is non-stop. Stasis exists nowhere in the universe. So someone's either growing or dying. There's no stasis. So as we move uh, out of conflict lease system into black liberation movement and, 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 and other such struggles, you had the counterpoint, the systematic nature of fascism exert itself, which was counterintelligence program. Remember, fascism only reveals its underlying basis. Underlying basis is violence. It only reveals its underlying basis when the mechanisms of its institutions fail at their function. And their function is to control the minds of the masses. Right, to influence your mind, you to believe that you have the freedom of choice and dignity and rights but still control you. Um, when those systematic mechanisms fail, they got enough. And it's violence. And that 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 it also it has a twofold function. Whenever they have to show that violence or, or extend that violence publicly, they prestige is diminished in the minds of the people. People saying you might not be as powerful as you, you run around and claiming you is if you got to resort to killing people. Or, or, or locking people up or framing people up. You, you might not be as most powerful as you're saying you is. So they have to reassert that power. The way they did that was twofold. One, they removed completely those revolutionary formations who acted as a counterpoint to the syndicates during the 60s and 70s that stopped the first introduction of mass amounts of narcotics to criminalize our community. That occurs in the CIA operation called Operation Cloud Nine. It's when they tried to flood our community with cheap heroin in the 60s and 70s. It didn't work because you had Black Panther Party, uh, you had uh, Brown Berets, you had Black Willow Family, you had Black Liberation Army combating those syndicates. And so it was unsuccessful. Now, after, after the counterintelligence program in the early to mid 80s, you had the vast majority of those liberation groups either destroyed or driven underground. Right. So they did two things. They introduced a new culture, gangster rap, hip-hop culture. They warped the hip-hop culture 
gangster rap. And two, they introduced cheap cocaine to Operation MK Ultra. Operation MK Ultra flooded our community with cheap cocaine. It was a means by which a poverty stricken community, because remember, poverty is a tool. Right. The nature of structure of capitalism is hierarchical in nature. So the lumping for those, when, when, your economic, when your economy does not have a sufficient number of jobs to meet the population's demand for employment, you still got to survive. There's only one way you can survive in a capitalist society, sell your labor. What happens when you can't sell your labor? Right. You're forced to go to the underground economy. Right. The underground economy, everything is illegal. And remember, what is the door to slavery under the Constitution of the United States? Violating the law, a felony. So if I force you through my manipulation of social conditions into the underground economy where everything is illegal, it affords me a means by which to create a school to poverty prison pipeline, take your kids from your community to the penitentiary faster than you can blink. Yeah. And that's what they did. All right. I'm just going to jump in here and highlight um, how much I appreciate this uh, kind of historical uh, timeline that we're getting here from Joka Hashima Jinsai. Um, it's incredibly valuable as he takes us through um, this, uh, the meaning of the, or the reason for an indictment. And I want to point out too, if you haven't already uh, noticed it yourself, that the Racketeering Influence and Corrupt Organizations Act, the Title 18, Part 1 and Chapter 96, was enacted by Congress to combat the influence of organized criminal enterprises on the political, judicial, and financial mechanisms of power in the U.S. In essence, their own selves, because America is definitely America with three Ks, Inc., and I would say one of the most corrupt organizations on the planet. Maybe I'm being a bit hyperbolic, but that's how it feels. All right, so we are going to get back to uh, Kashima uh, talking to us about this indictment of the state and its prison industrial slave complex. And um, my and the other thing that I'd like to point out is that Hashima has been now caged for over 30 years. 20, it's probably more now, maybe moving into 32 years, um, and uh, and suffered 20 years of solitary confinement meant to break this kind of mind that we are still able to hear from, um, that he has suffered that and many more like him um, and to come out unbroken is quite remarkable, but also understanding that he is an elder now and we need to get him home. This is one of the, this is the crime against humanity that is taking place within our prisons, that we are taking, uh, having from cradle to grave, basically, our youth to elderly, uh, confined and abused and tortured within these prisons, um, and with the intent on many of them dying inside. So, um, <clears throat> 
Yes. So we are we are quite privileged, but I but I want to highlight that because this is why we do this work here and how important it is that we recognize the intention of breaking down these walls and bringing these incredibly wise, powerful voices. Now, this didn't. This was the total origin of the prison slave complex. Because you got to remember, between Reconstruction and nineteen eight, the prison population in the United States of America increased by a scant ten percent. If that, if that, if you look in our book, me and me and Comrade Abdul wrote a book called. Positive Crime and Government, How America Criminalized the Race. In that book, I drafted a graph of, matter of fact, hold on one second, but That's it begins in 1925. Mm. Prison population in 1925 was below 200,000. And it maintained that rate below 200,000 until 1976. Hmm. Or at the close of the counterintelligence program. The counterintelligence program was retasked in 1977. In 1986, the Anti-Drug Abuse Act was initiated. Mm-hmm. That was the Omnibus Crime Control Act. Now, I'm going to flip my camera around again so you can really see this. I'm going to put it close to this so you can really see this. Mm. Do you see the increase? Yes. Wow. That's 1976, then 86. Okay. So we went from under 200,000 to 1,570,400 people. That was in 2012. And now we're at 2.1. So, yes, we are. Ten, late, so ten years I later. Said that to say this: the nature of capitalism is to exploit instances where you have a large market opportunity. Here, you have a way to take human beings, utilize them as dollar sign, dollar amount commodities to extract a certain amount of money from what we call the social product, tax dollars. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. they in effect monetized human bondage once again. Right, right. But they did it under the guise of law and order. Mm-hmm. We're just enforcing the law. That's all. Exactly. So, legislators, same people who only go voted not to vote on whether or not we repeal the legal slavery provisions of the California Constitution or the U.S. Constitution. Those same individuals pass laws to criminalize things that were previously not crimes. Right. To increase the penalty for things that were previously innocuous crimes, like possession of marijuana. Possession of, that's where you get your Rockefeller laws, where you can have one gram of cocaine, but you crack cocaine. And you can have a kilo of powder cocaine and get the same thing. Right. Right, and of course, and the, when having the powder cocaine, also the 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 the, the kilo, you aren't going to get busted for that. No, you're not. <laughs> not for the most part. I mean, they might no. make an example so, out of a few, but yeah. Exactly. So my my, my point is this: following the clothes or the removal of 
liberation groups as a viable force in our community. They created a means by which to take our children. It's mostly youth that were focused. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. Our fathers, our mothers, our sons, our daughters, out of our communities and turning the commodities. In the state of California right now, every single prisoner represents $106,000 a year in the general fund for the California Department of Correction and Rehabilitation. Okay. They are not spending $106,000 a year on this. No, <laughs> that's that. for sure. Yeah. The beginning salary in the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation is $88,000 a year plus benefits. Right. If they work overtime, and this is coming straight from the CO's mouth, a starting cop, a cop who just got his job in this month penitentiary, who just started yesterday, if he worked overtime for the next six months, can in one year clear $250,000. Right. And we've this now been conditioned. Right. It's Okay, so here we go. It's a racket. In racketeering, influence, and corrupt organizations act. The primary yeah. instrument used by those vested with the responsibility to prosecute such cases on behalf of the people is the indictment. Well, what do we do in those instances where those who in the normal course of affairs actually prosecute that indictment are in fact complicit in the conspiracy? Exactly. What do we do? Let's take the Attorney General thing. Mm -hmm. yes. The Attorney General is the chief legal counsel for California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. They're the chief legal counsel for the California legislature. They're chief legal counsel for the government. They're chief legal counsel for the very individuals who are perpetrating the racket. So in that instance, we can't depend on, because if we do, let's say we spend on the Attorney General, and I say well, I file a Ralph Bain Act violation, I, I file a civil claim under, say, 52.1, and I say, okay, y'all is intentionally targeting my community and creating laws that over-criminalize, over-police, over-imprison, over over-prosecute, over-convict, and over-incarcerate my people, all right, for things that were previously not crimes, all right? And I prove that. You know what the Attorney General going to do? You ain't got no standing. You don't have standing to prosecute you. And they're going to dismiss my claim. You want to know how I know this? I already did. Been there, done it. Right, right. That's what happened. Right. So in those instances where we can't depend on the very law enforcement tool mechanism that's to ensure corruption does not influence our political, social, and, 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 and uh, uh, economic structures, they refuse to actually execute that duty because they're complicit in that conspiracy. It falls to the people to do so. Here's why. It's supposed to be a democracy, right? <laughs> yeah. It's supposed to be a nation of the people, for the people, by the people. Right. Well, let's see, we put that to the test. And this is probably one of the reasons, one of the primary reasons why we wrote the indictment. This is why we put this, we created this concept, Comrade created this concept, and I wrote Here's why. You have to force contradiction. The only way you can educate a people that they have been lied to completely is to hold a mirror up to their face and force them to look at it. Some, some comrade George said, I'll never forget. He said, the vast majority of people in capitalist America view social life through rose-colored glasses. 
if you were to remove those rose-colored glasses and let them see the horror of their reality, they would kill you to get them rose-colored glasses back so they could live a lot. So the function of the revolutionary is not to take the glasses from the people, but to convince them to remove them themselves, see reality for what it is, and act accordingly. And that, my people, is revolutionary love. And why so many of these brothers are still inside um, with this capitalist, imperialist, white pathological patriarchy intent on keeping them there. We are going to take a quick musical break um, and then we will come back with um, some more of my conversation with Joka Hashima Jinsai. Try to plant something in the concrete, you know what I mean? If it grow and the, and the rose petal got all kind of scratches and marks, you're not gonna say, Damn, look at all the scratches and marks on the rose that grew from the concrete. You're gonna be like, Damn, a rose grew from the concrete? Same thing with me, you know what I mean? I grew out of all this instead of saying, Damn, he did this, he did this, just be like, Damn, he grew out of that, he came out of that. That's what they should see, you know what I mean? All the time, I'm just joining us, you are tuned in to Prison Focus Radio, and I am your host, Nube Brown, here on KPOO San Francisco 89.5. And let me remind you that we are in our fall fun drive uh, for KPOO, this independent non-commercial radio station that has been serving the San Francisco Bay Area for, God, going on, it's got to be in the 50 years, um, but Black-owned, Black-run, it's just... Um, it's a very important radio station, and again, I will always 
um, shout out incredible gratitude for this one hour here, this very precious hour for Prison Focus Radio to um, highlight all things prison, prison industrial slave complex, also known and rightfully modern or contemporary, the new iteration of legal slavery taking place within our prisons. All right, and you can make those donations by going online to kpoo.com. They're all tax deductible. You can do this by credit card and by um, PayPal. And if you want to donate by check, send uh, this to KPOO, P.O. Box 156650, San Francisco, California, 94115. Make the check out to KPOO. And as we always say, your generosity is greatly appreciated. All right, so we are going to get back to my conversation, which is really turning into a masterclass with Joka Hashima Jinsai, the author of uh, Indictment of the State and Its Prison Industrial Slave Complex, concept by Abdul Olubala Shakur. You can get this book and the many others that they have authored, and then you can add them to your library for liberation. All right, we'll hear from Hashima about what happens when we see what's happening and we choose to do nothing. And you do nothing about it, you complicit. You are silent and spiritual. You, you, you aid and assist because you're not resisting. All that's necessary for evil to prevail is for good men and women to do nothing. That's all they need. Don't need nothing else. Don't need nothing else. Remember, this day system, they structured this, for, this way for a reason. Mm-hmm. They've convinced the vast majority of these people that the cops is the good guys, that the judges are the good guys, that the government is the good guy. They're not the good guys. <laughs> right. They're the bad guys. <laughs> right. So it's that simple. Yeah. Yeah. They're the bad guys in such a way that this man, we're living in the evil empire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like straight off a Star Wars script. No, no, exactly. Not you know. And and you got the vast majority of people in this society wholly oblivious to it. They don't know. Some of them don't want to know. Right. That's and the reason they don't want to know is struggle ain't easy. Mm -mm. I spent twenty years in solitary confinement because I refused to stop telling the truth. I didn't do nothing. Just because the books I read, stuff I wrote, my comrade above me spent 43 and a half years in solitary confinement. Not for nothing he did, but just for the books he read and the stuff he wrote. Wrap your head around that. Really wrap your mind around it. Somebody forcing you into a concrete box for decades, cutting you off from all contact with your family. Man, you know, I'm the only time I ever got a phone call when somebody in my family died. Right. My father died, my sister died, my grandmother died, my auntie died. Only time I ever touched the boss. And that was for five minutes with the cops standing right there with me on speaker. I can't even agree. Right. Well, you but know. I said that to say, okay. this is the nature and structure of this system. Right. This system is built to exploit any economic opportunity that avails avails itself, even human bondage. Now, here you had an opportunity for the California legislature to say, man, we reject this. 
you reject as morally repugnant slavery of any form and chose not to. Why you think that is? Hmm. I think that was just by chance, a happenstance, because, you know, they, 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 uh, or they made a mistake or the bill wasn't crafted well. Language is real simple. Either you wish slavery or yank. Right. It is that simple. Stay right. with it. Your California legislature, your government is a slave state. That's the bottom line. They ain't going to stop being a slave state. So to such time as people say, then you know what? If we got this interest, since you won't file this indictment, we're going to push this indictment. Then you got to answer for it. Answer these charges. They can't answer them because it's, it, 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 it ain't one fact. They can't answer it. What, what can they say? Exactly, exactly. And here I mentioned that we were part of an international tribunal back in October of 2021, and we brought five counts of we charge genocide, the international jurists agreed with us after testimony, witnessing testimony and hearing the testimony that in fact, yes, the United States is guilty of genocide on all five counts. Now, does this mean that America with 3Ks Inc. is going to stop their genocidal practices? Of course not. Not without a clear demand from the people. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. Okay, check this out. <laughs> and, and, and this is something I've been trying to, I've been trying, I've been work trying to orientate and educate people on for decades. When we speak of slavery in the context of British industrial slave context, we just, we, we're not just talking about compulsory labor within the, the confines of prison. That's, that's not the be all end all of slavery. <laughs> Think about this. Look at the black codes. The black codes were the the, 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 the statutes which governed slavery in the United States of America for centuries. Yes. All right. There's an entire body of black codes that deal with civil death laws or the civil death of a slave, meaning they couldn't own property. Right. Slaves couldn't train property, couldn't sell property. Certain businesses that they couldn't enter, certain industries that they couldn't be taught. With certain things that they couldn't learn. Like reading and writing. That's slavery. (laughs) Yeah. Now, what a lot of people don't understand is under the 13th Amendment, United States Constitution, civil death laws are perhaps the most impactful aspect of legal slavery in America in 2022. Okay. Let's say I get out of prison tomorrow. There are 212 professional licenses in the state of California. I can't hold. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I can't vote. And at least half of the states in this country, even though a lot of states have changed their law on that once you get off parole or probation, and at least half of these states, probably more than half, you still can't vote. So you're disenfranchised. Mm-hmm. But you're living in a democracy, in a nation where social policy is determined, or supposed to be determined, by representative governments. Right. And you can't influence who those representatives are, so you can't influence policy. Right. So you are in fact a non-citizen. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. You are a, a, a something else. Yeah, like what right. are you? Right. What's second class <laughs> person? You dig know what I'm saying? You 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 are, you are other. Right. You're another. Um, yeah. um, the state can at any time search and seize your personal property. Right. Right. Without notice. 
Don't even care you look. You're a felon. You, you, you're pro league. I can search you anytime I want to. Right? And there are even problem. places where you can't live. There are only certain... Co- yeah, yeah, all of that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Therefore. You can't get jobs because people don't want to hire you? Because you, no. I mean, even in the places where there's a ban the box where you can't ask, they find other ways to find out. Exactly. Where you been for the last 10 years? Exactly. Now, you can lie, you want to. You ain't with the job. Yeah. Believe that. You definitely better not tell the truth or you really ain't going to Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, yeah, the vestiges of slavery are real in the black codes. Like, for instance, you just clearly said you were put in solitary confinement because of the books you read and the ideas that you were espousing. That is a vestige of slavery. That's saying you are against the, the law of, of reading and writing. Education. You are a slave. You are not allowed. You are against the law for educating yourself. And because so few people truly grasp what slavery is, they don't draw those interconnections. Right. That's why. Right. And that's what we're here to do. And and it's important that they do. Because in the context of this indictment, they will understand both why it's necessary and two, why they can no longer be party to it. Because remember, every time they put somebody on trial, they say they commit an offense. They say, the people of the state are so-and-so-and-so-and-so and so and so and so versus you. Right. Is that true? Hmm. Are you really going to prosecute some girl because she ain't have no choice, beat her kids, had to go do something that right. she probably didn't want to do? Right. Am I? Right. Exactly. If I haven't given the choice, I'd be like, no. <laughs> right. But they've wrested but that away from us. Mm-hmm. They'll turn around and say the law is blind. The law don't see that. The law is blind. You know, justice is equal. Right. Really? Okay. So let's put that to the test. If the law is blind, then why is it um, 70 times more likely to be arrested for the same offense as my white counterpart? Why am I five times more likely to be prosecuted for the exact same offense as my white counterpart. Why am I 50 times more likely to be convicted for the same offense as my white counterpart? Why am I given 55% more time for the exact same offense as my white counterpart? I thought you said justice was blind. Right. So you saying justice is blind, but she, only, she ain't blind to color? She ain't blind to social status. She ain't blind to the economic class. But she only blind in some cases. It's bullshit. Right. We live without justice in this society. Anytime you have built an economic and social force which exploits human bondage and you legitimize it under your law, your law actually says this is cool. And there ain't nothing just about your society. Absolutely. And we are being forced to accept this because when we have been so conditioned to believe that once it's put into a legal context, this is the law. You have to follow the law. Right. That maneuvers people away from their 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 humanity. It maneuvers us away from our principles and our our moral standing. 
that's not by chance to happenstance. Right. It's by design. Yes. Remember, one of the core the core values of capitalism is social alienation. So if I can mechanize your mind, Ooh. if I can get you to function almost like a robot, so all I gotta do is say pass a law and in your brain it equates cool. Right. I can do pretty much anything I wanna do. Absolutely. If I can manipulate enough people in my society to reflexively think that what I do is in their best interest, then I'm really the good guy. <laughs> I'm just a benevolent overlord seeking to protect you, my wayward citizens. But in all actuality, you got a, 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 a confederacy of despotic, greedy, vile demons that's actually seeking to maintain control of your children's social life and your future is wrong. If you fail to resist against it, you're wrong. Ain't no other way to put it. Absolutely. So, in order for people to first understand that's the case, indictment is necessary. Because it lays out exactly, I ain't just saying this, I ain't just, hey man, you know, this is a criminal racket. I ain't just saying that. Mm. One, I'm showing you step by step how it's a criminal racket. Based on their law, not my law. Based on their law, not more law. Based on their law, their law. So all I'm citing is, they statutes. Just how they violate their own law. And they do this so under the color of law. Right, right. Now, Let me I explain that in the I explain all that in the Exactly. But a lot of people, when they see that indictment and the manner in which it's crafted, they say, well, why ain't it filed in the court of law? Okay. I wrote it so you could file it in the court of law. I already did. I was already told I don't got standing because I'm not an attorney general. But but we can. In the conclusion, <laughs> in the conclusion of the indictment, I actually demonstrated how that's a lie. Mm. How that's not true. Okay. They own the law allows for a private citizen to sue a state actor when that state actor is in violation of his own law. They did it during the rampart. The, 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 the rampart crisis in LA when you had a corrupt entrenched political uh, 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 social force which was Los Angeles Police Department engaged in a criminal enterprise and people suffered because now problem lies in the manner in which it's crafted you have to suffer both a again the superior property a property loss and you have to suffer some form of injury so it's a twofold threshold. We can meet both of those thresholds, but they want you to be specific. You know, what'd you suffer? You know, you, you can't and it's it's you will see when I you will see in the conclusion it's two it's two train it's two schools of thought from their their uh, uh judicial branches perspective. In one school of thought, it has to be a very specific monetary loss. In another school of thought it can be a general monetary loss like lack of employment. Right. Like you were denied employment because of the act of, say, somebody putting you in prison for decades or keeping you in solitary confinement for decades for nothing. One you know, example. Um, but my point is this. The people can prosecute this indictment. And we are going to get there. So stick with us, like I said, over these next 
few weeks or months, however long it takes to uh, go through this indictment of the state and its prison industrial slave complex with Joka Hashima Jensai, who will be offering the commentary uh, uh, section by section. And when we reach the end, where not only uh, has have they provided, he and Abdul Bala Shakur provided this indictment, but it has actually been put to the test, and we're gonna and we're gonna use it as a tool, just like we are going to continue to use the tool um, from the guilty verdict uh, from the international jurists to continue to educate one another, empower one another, and eventually abolish this sick system. I so appreciate you. You are um, amazing. Um, Send my love to Abdul as well. Um, And yeah, we're going to get back to it because I can't wait to get into the however, what do we do when the institutions responsible for upholding and in some instances making the law, in quotes, uh, are the chief architects of its habitual violation, right? I mean, we're going to, we're going to just, we're going to go from there. So it will be exciting. All right. So appreciate you. So appreciate you. Please continue to take care. Yes. So much. All right. Hey, I got my liberate the caged voices. (laughs) Cause that's all you, that's all you. Um, all right. Um, we love you so much and, um, and thank you really giving us your time is so precious. Um, you know, since you have used been having to be forced to do time in this manner. So, to give us your, some of your time is 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 more precious than I think I can even articulate. All right. Yes. All right. We love you. All right. Peace out. All right. We. Uh, I'm going to be reading um, the two pieces of poetry, uh, but first I'm going to be starting with Charles Tooker, who is out of. Um, California training facility over in Soledad, and he addressed this to liberate the caged voices, which I was quite pleased with, and he also sent an artist statement, which I'm going to read now. Greetings. My name is Charles Tooker. Arrested in 2016, I'm presently serving a 16-year sentence for attempted murder, non-premeditated. I suffer serious mental disorders, poor DSMMD, but they're today managed more successfully than ever before, and certainly since my arrest. One significant factor in sustaining is my piety for creative expression, namely composing poetry, songwriting, and playing guitar. This being my first and last prison term, my 41 years prior were rather productive. If I may, my great passion for the fine arts ever-present and influential, promising young visual artists, Bachelor of Fine Arts and Master of Arts degrees, museum curator, commercial gallerist, art consultant, dealer, collector, etc. My imprisonment, however, reignited my latent interest in creative writing, not to mention legal and academic. Now brimming with little more than spare time, notable inspiration, critical self-analysis, pencils and paper, moreover, the particular context in which I've reluctantly become immersed, including three years of solitary confinement, has proffered subject matter at once compelling and insular, ripe for and demanding due regard en masse and defiant of America's methodically self-defeating criminal justice system. Again, Charles Tooker, and I'll give you his information if you'd like to write him. His, his number is BF9504. He is, again, CTF Prison, P.O. Box 705, TD96U, 
Soledad, California, 93960. All right. This is Ode to Reclamation of Self Upon Liberation, Self-Deprecation, Self-Adulation, Self-Reassurance. Note to Self. Tonight, tonight, we pour the wine and set the light. We toast to me and me alone this year. Tonight, tonight, there's no one else we would invite. There's no one else to whisper in our ear. Tonight, tonight, we celebrate the things we might. After 16 years, there's still so much to share. Tonight, tonight, dear future lovers, please treat us right. We didn't lose, we learned, so hold us near. And we cry, everything we do, you know that it's all for you. You know we are our own best friend, so please don't let us down again. Tonight, tonight, we prove them wrong, but not to spite. We just prove me well and good, then reappear. Tonight, tonight, the harm we did, we make it right. What was black now becomes white and clear. Tonight, tonight, tomorrow's never looked so bright. We're our catcher in the rye, don't fear. Tonight, tonight, oh, all the sad songs we could write. Instead, we've traded every tear for cheer. And we cry, everything we do, you know it's all for you. You know we're our own best friend, so please don't let us down again. All right, uh, we are still feeling the loss of our, our dear comrade, Paul Red as he transitioned to the ancestors on June 19th. Um, so I would like to read from his book of poetry, Roaring Free in a World Without Walls. I don't yet know if this book is available, but it was uh, gifted to me. So I will be sharing that with you, I think, over these next few weeks, especially as more tributes come in. Uh, we will be reading from this beautiful book of poetry. I'm going to be reading In the Midst of Confusion. Stupidity is some people's existence to elude reality as is. Stupidity mode fools ways to suppress a consciousness of today, that which is tomorrow realness, but knowledge is higher than a fool can comprehend. Can people who wish to hide from realness be so blind not to use an objective approach? Or is it just plain being afraid to face one shortcoming, something we all have? However, some view themselves and correct the errors before they linger on, becoming too large to correct. Stupidity will always be those downfall who are afraid to face the real and correct whatever problem they have. Instead of opening one's mouth, making a bigger fool out of oneself even more. Look around us in the midst of confusion. It's no illusion. All right, we love and miss you, Paul Mume. All right, if you would like to connect with Hashima, if you'd like to write to him, his address is, it's Joka Hashima, H-E-S-H-I-M-A, sorry, Joka is J-O-K-A, Hashima Jinsai, J-I-N-S-A-I, and his number is J38283. He's at Kern Valley State Prison, KVSP, B2-117U, that's his cell number, P.O. Box 5102, Delano, D-E-L-A-N-O, California, 93216. 
he and Abdul Olubala Shakur share the same cell. All right, so Abdul, A-B-D-U-L, Olugbala is O-L-U-G-B-A-L-A, and then Shakur, S-H-A-K-U-R, and his slave number is C-48884. He is also at Kern Valley State Prison, KVSP, and his uh, cell number is B-2-128. Again, that address is P.O. Box 5102, Delano, California, 93216. All right. Well, that is our show. I want to thank you again for joining me this week. I hope you are continually inspired and moved to become a part of uh, the abolition of slavery in this country. We really cannot have slavery on our watch and not see the demise of humanity. It's about showing love for one another. It's about... Um, being in right relation with people um, and making sure that we are protecting and, and um, again, protecting our children, protecting each other and um, seeing each other, um, seeing the humanity in each other. So um, again, that is our show. Uh, we're going to go out of here with some music, but get ready uh, for Work Week with Steve Seltzer. foolish maybe i'm blind thinking i can see through this and see what's behind got no way to prove it so maybe i'm lying but i'm only human after all i'm only human after all don't put your blame on me don't put your blame on me take a look in the mirror what do you see See it clearer, or are you deceived in what you believe? Cause I'm only human after all, and you're only human after all. Don't put the blame on me, don't put your blame on me.
prison population on the face of the earth. <laughs> right. It's a contradiction. That's a, uh, and I can go on and on and on. Almost, almost every area of people activity. And because that's the case, because the nature and structure of society is what it is, um, you have people functioning under this capitalist delusion of, you know, patriotism and unity when the opposite is the case. And it's, it's beginning, it's beginning to be harder and harder for people to ignore what's right in front of them. And so you have this escape into fully embracing fascism. Right. That's right. Um, you have in, in, in center-right societies, and this ain't a center-right society, this is a far-right society. People just try to, call it, try to characterize it as a center-right society. It's not a far-right society. It's probably the most advanced fascist state in the history of the planet. But so, it was an observation George made on the nature of, of fascism. And one of the observations that he made, that a lot of people know, because he made it in the context of a, a broader point, they kind of overlooked it. What he said was, in those instances, the freedom begins to assert itself. The fear of freedom that has been embedded in people so powerful that they actually flee from it. And they flee from it into extreme political reaction. Hmm. And that's why you get, just think about what happened following the, the, the delusion of you know freedom that a lot of people was under on the Obama years. Yeah, you have black folks thinking they was free. Right. But what happened immediately after that? You had the Trump regime. That's right. You had white men marching down the street talking about you will not replace us. <laughs> right. You had white folks beginning to lynch right. brothers and sisters in this country, literally string them up from trees and kill them. Right. And people ain't putting two and two together because the vast majority of people in this society don't make those interconnections. That's it's just not how their minds work. Their minds don't work that way. Their minds work on the most superficial, the most rudimentary level when it comes to social political uh, uh, analysis because they're not revolutionary. This is a point of fact. Mm-hmm. It's probably one of the most least revolutionary society on the planet. And the reason why that is, it's been structured this way. This ain't by chance. That's by design. Right, right. Check this out. I give you one of them. Critical race theory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How is it you gonna characterize a people's history, social experience, as a theory, as though well, that's, that's not concrete fact, as though it didn't happen? Oh, that's to so do that to any other people, right, right. to question mm-hmm. any other people's historical experience, would be tantamount to a declaration of war mm-hmm. in other cultures. But in the United States of America, we keep sending our kids to them school. If that's not uh, colonial psychosis, I don't know what it is. Well, colonial psychosis, and and the interesting thing is, even at that level, it's being attacked. Right? They don't even even with it just being a theory, it's being attacked. I want to. That's wow. Uh, that's really, um, this is why I love talking with you. Um, you know, and I, I think this is why I, um, it's so important to talk about 
like I mean we're we're just still at the point where we're having just to get people to understand that slavery is taking place within our prisons right people still think that like you said prisons are the place where criminals go to be rehabilitated right the, the, I know it's a it, it's a joke but think about it we just had this is, we we couldn't even get to the ballot to the removal of the slave language the except right you know about this right we couldn't even get it to the to the ballot because they're choosing slavery over rehabilitation basically right you know why I knew for a fact that the California legislature was not going to remove the slave division that exists both in the California and the U.S. Constitution. The reason I knew it was because the largest industry in the state of California is prison. Right. Exactly. Do you actually believe that these legislators whose lobbying power, they, 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 they financial and political influence, which is propped up by the British Social Slave Complex in this, in this state and has been for decades. Check this out. Over the last 30 years, there's been a 500% increase in the prison population nationally. But in the state of California, it was an 800% increase in the prison population. Hmm. So it surpasses the national average by 60, 65%. It's 65% <laughs> beyond the national average. Right. Oh my so God. you're talking about an entrenched industrial interest whose tendrils have ex- extended itself in almost every level of, of, of politics in this state. You think these people gonna actually turn around, cut their own throat, or 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 or, or abandon uh, a social, political, and economic process that has benefited them for the last forty years? No, they gonna do. It. And I knew they would. Is why I said what I said in the preamble to Amendment Thirteen when I originally did the Amendment Thirteen to the Slavery American Movement. When I originally did it, if you read, if you read the mission statement, it's in the first three paragraphs. Right. I knew they would. It's in the last paragraph. I stated in the last paragraph of that that any political, state, or social interest that seeks to preserve slavery is one that the people should in mass reject seek to replace. But I said that damn near ten years ago. <laughs> I thought I was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Well, and that's how they're trying to make well, they didn't even want the people they didn't even want the people to decide. So no. this is why we have this. I feel like this is a really important moment that we should seize because right off the bat, like, um, and, and I want, um, because there is this movement, we have an opportunity and I think we should take every opportunity, no matter how, how, you know, small the window is to, to, to get in there and, uh, to wedge our way in and, get on board uh, as many people as we can, right? So with this indictment, um, I mean, I think this really speaks very eloquently to uh, this movement to remove the, the the slave language, the language of slavery. I mean, it's just the first, the, the first part, right? Because we know that it, just because you remove the language doesn't mean that they're going to remove the, the actions, right? But we have to start somewhere. We must open exactly. up somewhere. I mean, we can't, exactly. because we certainly, I mean, language is powerful. So I wanted to ask you about this preamble 
to this indictment of the state and its prison industrial slave complex. I mean, it can't be. I mean, you've said that there have been these, there have been moments where this this indictment is is crucial, and yeah. and and so we're going to take this opportunity because um, here we are. And in the, you, the, in the beginning of the preamble, you say the U.S. Racketeering Influence and Corrupt Organizations Act, Title 18, Part 1, Chapter 96, was initially enacted by Congress chiefly to combat the influence of organized criminal enterprises. Of course, that sounds like the United States or America with 3Ks, Inc., but on the political, judicial, and financial mechanisms of power in the U.S., the primary instrument used by those vested with the responsibility to prosecute such cases on behalf of the people is the indictment. Yep. Now, for a lot of people, they're going to be like, what? Wait, huh? Oh, what? That's too much. That's too big. What's a, the, and is the Racketeering Influence and Corrupt Organizations Act, that's the RICO Act. Yeah, Correct. Okay. So, and we're going to be kind of talking about this. A li- I mean, you know, there's a little bit of rhetorical here because some of these things, you know, I mean, not to pat myself on the back because I still have so much to learn. But um, can we just talk about to combat the influence of organized criminal enterprises on the political, judicial, and financial mechanisms of power in the U.S.? Because that's huge. I agree. Can you just um, please speak on that? All right, it's that's a two-sided coin. Okay. When I say when I say it's a two-sided coin, is you have one side that is primarily targeted toward market-based predatory crime, and it's what U.S. Uh, 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 judicial machinery defines as market-based predatory crime. It's different between two predatory crimes: robbery, extortion, um, um, kidnapping. Predatory uh, crimes. Those are called predatory yeah, crimes. Okay. Exactly. Predatory crimes. Market-based crimes will be prostitution, uh, drug trafficking, um, uh, black markets, where you where you move like black market microchips, etc., etc. Um, what occurred with the introduction of La Casa Nostra? It 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 was an influx of money because you had a criminal organization actually monopolize particular black markets in certain geographic areas and to ensure the continuation of their black market and there will be no interference from law enforcement they began to move some of that money into politics into judicial appointments think about judges, congressmen, police chiefs, police captains Mm -hmm. um, beat cops you name it Um, because we live in a capitalist society because the nature and structure of society the manner in which people's minds are orientated and developed is that property is more valuable than people. So money is the be all end all. It, it, it is it is it's beyond a status symbol. It's money is um everything in the capitalist society. So it's not difficult to corrupt uh political, judicial or or uh, social institutions if you have enough money to do so. Now, flip side of that coin is once you have a process by which those that you vested with the responsibility to enforce the law, your 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 judicial machinery itself, or your 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 political structure itself, 
once it finds a way that it can utilize the law in order to extend its own economic, social, political privilege, the nature and structure of capitalism almost demands that it does so. The United States of America was founded on perhaps the largest black market in the history of human civilization, mm. slavery. Mm -hmm. And land theft. Human bondage. And the exploitation of human bondage. Yeah. And land theft. Yeah. Of course. I mean, genocide, right. And genocide that, of the, yeah. Mm -hmm. that, that, is, uh, that is the uh, imperialistic nature mm -hmm. of oh, right. That's okay. uh, economic expansion. It's when you take somebody else's land and, and, and utilize it for your own economic social political purposes. Now, they was having the land is one thing, being able to make their land productive is something different. Mm. And the manner in which they have been effective in making the land they stole productive is through free labor, which is slaves. slave labor. Mm -hmm. Okay, now, as, of course, social conditions are such that eventually a adverse social condition will run against its opposite. It's just the nature of dialectics. Um, it's the struggle opposites. Eventually, you're going to reach that point of negation and negation, and that contradiction is going to change. So what happened was you had agrarian capitalists pumping with industrial capitalists. Industrial capitalists want to mechanize uh, profit, where uh, agrarian capitalists want to maintain uh, a, a model of human bondage, where to to give birth and give their labor and give their bodies and the sexual exploitation of women of the black women exactly. oh. yeah so so 
uh, of course, again, social conditions do not change. That's the, 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 the spiral in evolution of social conditions is non-stop. Stasis exists nowhere in the universe. So something is either grown or it's done. There's no stasis. So as we move uh, out of conflict system into black liberation movement and, 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 and other such struggles, you had the counterpoint, the systematic nature of fascism exert itself, which was counterintelligence program. Remember, fascism only reveals its underlying basis. Underlying basis is violence. It only reveals its underlying basis when the mechanisms of its institutions fail at their function. And their function is to control the minds of the masses. Right, to influence your mind, you to believe that you have the freedom of choice and dignity and rights to still control you. Um, when those systematic mechanisms fail, they got enough. And it's violence. And that 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 it also it has a twofold function. Whenever they have to show that violence or, or extend that violence publicly, their prestige is diminished in the minds of the people. People saying you might not be as powerful as you, you run around and claiming you is if you got to resort to killing people. Or, or or locking people up or framing people up. You, you might not be as most powerful as you saying you is. So they have to reassert that power. The way they did that was twofold. One, they removed completely those revolutionary formations who acted as a counterpoint to the syndicates during the 60s and 70s that stopped the first introduction of mass amounts of narcotics to criminalize our community. That occurs in a CIA operation called Operation Cloud Nine. It's when they tried to flood our community with cheap heroin in the 60s and 70s. It didn't work because you had Black Panther Party. Uh, you had uh, Brown Berets. You had Black Real Family. You had Black Liberation Army combat most syndicates. And so it was unsuccessful. Now, after, after the counterintelligence program in the early to mid-80s, you had the vast majority of those liberation groups either destroyed or driven underground. Right. So they did two things. They introduced a new culture, gangster rap, hip-hop culture. They warped the hip-hop culture, gangster rap. And two, they introduced cheap cocaine to Operation MK Ultra. Operation MK Ultra flooded our community with cheap cocaine. It was a means by which a poverty-stricken community to remember Poverty is a tool. Right. The nature of structure of capitalism is hierarchical in nature. So the lumping for those when when your economic when your economy does not have a sufficient number of jobs to meet the population's demand for employment, you still gotta survive. There's only one way you can survive in a capitalist society, sell your labor. What happens when you can't sell your labor? Right. You're forced to go to the underground economy. The underground economy, everything is illegal. And remember, what is the door to slavery under the Constitution of the United States? Violating the law, a felony. So if I force you through my manipulation of social conditions into the underground economy where everything is illegal, it affords me a means by which to create a school to poverty prison pipeline, take your kids from your community to the penitentiary, faster than you can blink. Yeah. And that's what they did. Now, this didn't this was the total origin of the prison industrial complex. Because you gotta remember, 
between Reconstruction and 1980, the prison population in the United States of America increased by a scant 10%. If that, if that, if you look in our book, me and me and Conrad Abdul wrote a book called Popular Crime and Government, How America Criminalized the Race. In that book, I drafted a graph of, matter of fact, hold on one second. Okay. Give me one second. Okay. Do it's a little. It's I mean okay. I can I can see it for the most part how it goes. I'm gonna I'm I'm I'm, I'm gonna send you send you a copy, but that's it begins in 1925. Mm. The prison population in 1925 was below 200,000, and it maintained that rate below 200,000 until 1976, mm. or at the close of the counterintelligence program. Counterintelligence program was retasked in 1977. In 1986, the Anti Drug Abuse Act was initiated. Mm-hmm. That was the Omnibus Crime Control Act. Now, I'm going to flip my camera around again so you can really see this. I'm going to put it close to this so you can really see this. Mm. Do you see the increase? Yes. Wow. That's 1976. Then 86. Okay. So it went from under 200,000 to 1,570,400 people. That was in 2012. And now we're at 2.1. So, yes, we are. 10, late, so 10 years I later. That, I said that to say this. The nature of capitalism is to exploit instances where you have a large market opportunity. Here you have a way to take human beings, utilize them as dollar sign, dollar amount commodities to extract a certain amount of money from what we call the social product, tax dollars. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. they in effect monetized human bondage once again. Right, right. But they did it under the guise of law and order. Mm-hmm. We're just enforcing the law. That's all. Exactly. So, legislators, same people who only go voted not to vote on whether or not we repeal the legal slavery provisions of the California Constitution or the U.S. Constitution. Those same individuals passed laws to criminalize things that were previously not crimes. Right. To increase the penalty for things that were previously innocuous crimes, like possession of marijuana. Possession of, that's where you get your Rockefeller laws, where you can have one gram of cocaine, but you crack cocaine. And you can have a kilo of powder cocaine and get the same thing. 
Right. Right. And of course, and the, when having the powder cocaine, also the, 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 the kilo, you aren't going to get busted for that. No, you're not. <laughs> not. For the most part. I mean, they might no. make an example so, out of a few, but yeah. Exactly. So my, my, my point is this. Following the clothes or the removal of liberation groups as a viable force in our community, they created a means by which to take our children. Mostly youth as a focus on. Our fathers, our mothers, our sons, our daughters, out of our communities and turn them into commodities. In the state of California right now, every single prisoner represents $106,000 a year in the general fund for the California Department of Correction and Rehabilitation. Right. They are not spending. One hundred and six thousand dollars a year on us. No, <laughs> that's that. for sure. Yeah, the beginning salary in the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation is eighty-eight thousand dollars a year plus benefits. Right. If they work overtime, and this is coming straight from the CEO's mouth, a starting cop, a cop who just got his job in this month penitentiary, just started yesterday. If he worked overtime for the next six months, can in one year clear two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Right. And we've now been conditioned. It's okay. So here we go. It's a racket in racketeering influence and corrupt organizations act. The primary instrument used by those vested with the responsibility to prosecute such cases on behalf of the people is the indictment. But what do we do in those instances where those who in the normal course of affairs actually prosecute that indictment are in fact implicit in the conspiracy. Exactly. What do we do? Let's take the Attorney General thing. Mm-hmm. It's, the Attorney General is the chief, chief legal counsel for California Department of Correction and Rehabilitation. they the chief legal counsel for the California legislature. they chief legal counsel for the government. they chief legal counsel for the very individuals who are perpetrating the racket. So in that instance, we can't depend on because if we do, let's say we spend on the attorney general, and I say well, I file a Ralph Bain Act violation, I, I file a, a civil claim under, say, 52.1, and I say, okay, y'all is intentionally targeting my community and creating laws that over-criminalize, over-police, over-imprison, over-prosecute, over-convict, and over-incarcerate my people, all right? The things that were previously not crimes, all right? And I prove that. Lord the attorney general going to do you ain't got no standing. You don't have standing to prosecute you. And they gonna dismiss my claim. You want to know how I know this? I already did. Been there, done it. Right. Right. That's what happened. Right. So in those instances where we can't depend on the very law enforcement tool mechanism that's to ensure corruption does not influence our political, social, and, 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 and uh, uh, economic structures, they refuse to actually execute that duty because they're complicit in that conspiracy. It falls to the people to do so. Here's why. It's supposed to be a democracy, right? <laughs> yeah. It's supposed to be a nation of the people, for the people, by the people. Right. Well, let's see, we put that to the test. And this is probably one of the reasons, one of the primary reasons why we wrote the indictment. This is why we put this. We created this concept, Comrade created the concept, and I wrote, here's why. You have to force the 
contradiction. The only way you can educate a people that they have been lied to completely hold a mirror up to their face and force them to look at it. Some, some comrade George said, I'll never forget. He said, the vast majority of people in capitalist America view social life through rose-colored glasses. And if you were to remove those rose-colored glasses and let them see the horror of their reality, they would kill you to get them rose-colored glasses back so they can live a lot. So the function of the revolutionary is not to take the glasses from the people, but to convince them to remove them themselves. See reality for what it is and act accordingly. Now, if you live in a society where your government, your legislature, the people who are vested with responsibility for public safety have taken those mechanisms and turned it into a racket that they can make money off of and destroy your families, destroy your communities, and do so systematically. And I'll tell you, Hashima. I have, I am one of those people that has lived my life with the rose-colored glasses. Not, I mean, just like I wanted the world to be a beautiful place, right? So I would always just pluck out the gems, you know, pluck out the stuff that, that certified my beautiful world, you know, despite. Um, but, of course, you can only do that for so long. After a while, uh, you know. It's going true. Uh, look, it's, <laughs> well, look, and 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 I I love that we're having this conversation because the reality is, it's it's for people also like me. I did not learn about um, people. I questioned that. Wait, are are corporations actually making money off of the people that are inside of prisons? And when I found that out, and and this is I'm in fifty. 49 or 50. And when I found out that that was like, that was happening. And then I brought it to the, I was in a class, a classroom going back to school because I, I, you know, I haven't completed my education. Well, I haven't completed my, you know, at the university education because I'm constantly getting educated. Um, But they looked at me when I told them that this was happening, they looked at me like, what? Their, their faces went blank. And I realized, oh my God. And, and, and I hadn't even yet met you to tell me about the 13th Amendment Exception Clause. I had no idea even at that time. I still couldn't call it slavery was happening inside of our prisons. Even when I found out the initial thing of finding out that, that people's labor was being exploited. And I wasn't calling it slavery. I couldn't because I had been conditioned to believe that slavery was abolished 